apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of home ownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Mac Home Mortgage and Equal Housing Lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Mac Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L. Call for additional details. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley! And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this. They lob it to him. He taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball. Hands down. Finch, two for three. He's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the poles, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with RNJ. I'm Steve Risser along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And divisional round weekend is here in the NFL. We got four really, really good matchups. We hope the games are better than they were last week. But uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But we'll start with this first game on Saturday. We got a matchup with the number one seeded Ravens who host C.J. Stroud and the uh, Houston Texans. And C.J. Stroud had an outstanding, outstanding week last week for the Texans against the Browns. He had a great rookie debut. He was he was absolutely phenomenal for the Texans. But now the but now the competition level gets gets better as he's got to face the Ravens. This is a rematch from week 1. The Ravens won this game 25 to 9 in week 1. Uh the, the, the big the big takeaways from that game is is the Ravens were able to shut down the Texans run game. The Ravens were able to were able to were able to and the defense had a really good game against C.J. Stroud. They sacked him five times. But the, but these but this but the Texans are definitely a different team than they were in Week One. And I think for this game, I think I think the biggest thing's going to be is I think both teams are going to be able to stop the run game. I think both both teams are not are going to struggle to run the football in this game. But I think the difference in this game is going to be I think Lamar Jackson is just going to outplay C.J. Stroud. There's no knock on C.J. Stroud. I just think Lamar Jackson is the more experienced quarterback in this game. 
I, I think I think CJ Stroud's the more I think he's 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 the more experienced quarterback in this game. No, I mean uh, Lamar Jackson is the more experienced quarterback in this game, and I think he gets the ball out to Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham Jr. and he throws a couple touchdown passes. And I do think the Ravens defense gets gets some pressure on uh on, on CJ Stroud more pressure than uh, the Browns did last week. I think you're going to see a lot, so see see the Ravens defense blitz more than the Browns did last week. I think they sacked Stroud a couple times. I think they forced a turnover from him. I think the Ravens win this game. I think this is this is close in the second half. I think it's close into the fourth quarter. But in the end, I'm going to take the team with the better roster and the more experienced quarterback. I got the Ravens advancing to their first conference championship game since the 2012 season, beating the Texans 27-17. But, Justin, can C.J. Stroud continue his incredible rookie season and get the Texans to their first conference championship game? No, I'm I'm with you at the Ravens this one, 24 to 20. Um, yes, you just shot. He looked impressive last week. I know the Browns defense really struggled away from home, um, but he tore them off last week. And, you know, with Baltimore, this is definitely going to be a bigger challenge for him this week. You know, Baltimore's, you know, top in the league in, um, in turnovers fours. You know, they're up there in sacks as well. So I think, you know, for Stroud, get rid of the ball quickly. You know, and you assume that the Ravens are going to put together a game plan that is going to make, you know, somebody else besides like Nico Collins beat them. You know, like could a Dawson Schultz have like a big game this week at tight end spot? Um, you know, but can like Houston get out, get to an early lead, kind of put some pressure on Baltimore? And, you know, I know Baltimore 2019, they were the one seed, Tennessee beat them. You know, they, there's always that worry of a risk of, you know, the rust factor, not playing for a couple of weeks. Like, could that happen here this week with, with the Ravens? Um, but I just think Baltimore's got a little bit too much talent. And I do think Baltimore's pass rush gets after CJ Stroud enough. And um, Stroud's done a great job protecting football, but I do think he makes a mistake or two in this one. And I got the Ravens win at home 24 to 20. And you brought up Nico Collins. And Nico Collins has been a big part of the Texans offense. Yes, this will be the player the Ravens will be taken away. This will be the player. They'll either have Merlin Humphrey on him. They'll double him. I, I, I don't there, there, to me, there's no way the Ravens let Mike, Mike McDonald allows the t- Nico Collins have a huge game. I just don't see that happening. I don't see Nico Collins having a huge game here. I, 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 I just don't. So it's going to have to be other guys. It's going to have to be, you know, the Robert Woods, the, uh, Dalton Schultz, the Beveren Jordans, those guys got to step up for the Texans to have any chance to win. And they got to be able to run the football. They got to be able to run the football with Devin Singletary to have any chance to win this game. Yeah, they absolutely do. You know, they got to try to keep Baltimore off balance because, yeah, you know, Baltimore's defense has been really, really good this year. Um, so, yeah, if you can kind of keep them, you know, um, kind of guessing, you know, it, it will definitely be a huge plus in this one because, yeah, they're going to need some other because, you know, I think they're going to have trouble if they get. You know, obviously, you know, you know, third and eights, third and nines, you know, they're probably gonna have trouble converting those. So if they can kind of make third and manageable, um, you know, have a couple of good games, you know, on first and second down to kind of put them in good spots, be able to kind of try to run the football on third and short. So yeah, for for um, yeah, for Houston, you know, it's gonna be tough and yeah, to be able to kind of run the football in this game. Um against Baltimore, yeah, who's been really good at stopping the run this year. It's definitely be a difficult task, but if they can be able to run the football, you know, gives them definitely a better chance to win this game. Yeah, and for Lamar Jackson, the big thing is just not to turn the ball over. I mean, that's what he did. That's what he did in the first game against Houston. But if he doesn't turn it over, I think the Ravens have a really good chance. Chance to, to, the Ravens should win this game. You know, they, they got they got the better team. They got one of the top rosters in the league. Lamar is the MVP. You talked about the rest, the 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 rust versus rest. 
I think the Ray Lamar learned from what happened in 2019. I think he pulls through here. I think he learned from what happened in 2019. I think he pulls through here. And, I, and the Ravens, this is a game they got to win. There's a lot of pressure on the Ravens to get to the – there's a lot of pressure on Lamar to get to, to get to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl this year. Because if, if he doesn't, that would be – if he doesn't – say he doesn't get to the Super Bowl, that's that's two MVPs and not getting to, to a Super Bowl. There's going to be a lot of questions. Can he win the game, big game or not win the big game? So there's a lot of pressure on Lamar, but I think he gets it done on, on Saturday. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, I do think they the Baltimore gets it done this weekend. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, a lot of pressure on Lamar. And this is, you know, you got the one seed. You got a Buffalo team that, yeah, certain the, you know, is 11 to 6 now, but they really haven't looked great the last couple of weeks. You have the Chiefs team that's kind of the most vulnerable they've been since Patrick Mahomes. Like, this is kind of the year where it's, it's kind of set up for Baltimore to go on a run for Lamar to get back to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, you know, this is there's definitely pressure on Lamar to get this thing done, and you got the home field advantage as well. So, yeah, this is it's it is big this year for Baltimore to get back there and uh, you know take the crown in the AFC. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. This is their year. This is their year. This this is Baltimore's year. This is probably going to be one of Baltimore's best chance to get to the Super Bowl because you're 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 not, with Josh Allen. You're not going to see a Buffalo team. You're not going to see Josh Allen struggle like this. Uh, struggled to protect the ball like he has this year. I know he's had a really good year because he has a bunch of touches, but he struggled to protect the ball. The Bills were not as good, even though they won the division. They were not as good as they were supposed to be. The Chiefs. This is probably the most. This is probably the most down the Chiefs are going to be in a while because, because this is the, because they're probably going to draft the wide receiver in the in the draft next year. So this is your chance, Baltimore. Baltimore has to take advantage right now. This is their chance to cash in and win a championship. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. You know, it is. You know, um. It definitely is because they're right there, you know, like them and the Niners, you know, clearly right now have been the two best teams in, in their respective um, conferences. So, yeah, you know, the Bills defensively are really banged up too right now. The Ravens might get Mike. I know uh, Mark Andrews been practicing this week. We'll see if he gives it a go or not. But, like, you can add a guy like that back to your offense would be huge. So, yeah, you know, we know that the Chiefs offense, you know, hasn't looked great. Now you get a team in Houston that's, you know, young. It's a it's a game that you should win at home. Um, you know, against CJ Stroud in the Texans. So yeah, it's clearly their year. You know, Harbaugh's, you know, he's he's an, you know, he's he's a really, really good coach. So, you know, they got the coaching as well. So for Baltimore, yeah, this is this is their year to get back there and try to get another uh, Super Bowl. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we will move on to the to the late game on Saturday night between the Packers and the Niners. And the story is Jordan Love. He has been phenomenal. He has been phenomenal. I mean, that, that came against the Cowboys. I know the Cowboys did not show up, but Jordan Love was outstanding. Outstanding in that game. He's been outstanding the last nine weeks. 21 uh, passing touchdowns, 23 total touchdowns, and one interception. I don't think there's a quarterback in the league that's played better than Jordan Love over the last nine games. The Packers clearly have their guy going forward. We even said that last week if they lost to the Cowboys, that the Packers have their guy going forward. So they clearly have their guy going forward. So, uh, I, I, But for this game, I do think I do think the Packers are going to struggle. The biggest reason why is the big another big reason why the Packers have had success the last four weeks is because of the way Aaron Jones has run the football. He's ran for over 100 yards the last four weeks. They're gonna have. A, I think they're gonna have trouble running the football this week uh, against this 49ers defense because they were third in the NFL in rushing yards. They're a very, very good run defense. I think they're going to not only just contain, but I think they're gonna shut down the Packers run game. I do think Jordan Love's gonna make his plays, but he also I think he's gonna make that one big mistake that's gonna hurt the Packers in this game. But the biggest issue in this game is this Packers defense. I know they played, have played pretty well over the last couple of weeks, 
But I think this Packers defense is going to have a lot of trouble with the 49ers offense. I think Christian McCaffrey is going to have a huge day on the ground. He's going to go for 100 yards. I think Brock Purdy's going to throw a couple down passes. Two IU, two Debo Daniel. Two, two, I think George Kittle is going to have a pretty good game, too. I think this Niners offense is going to get in, into the 30s. I think that's the reason why they win this game. I think the Niners, I think the, the, the Niners offense is going to be too much for the Packers defense. Yes, the Cowboys might have a better quarterback than the Niners, but the Niners offense is definitely more complete than the Cowboys offense. I think, the, I think it's going to be a big, big game for the Niners offense. And I think the Niners are going to get to the NFC Championship game for the third year in a row. I got them beating the Packers 31-20 to on Saturday night. But, Justin, can Jordan Love continue to stay hot and help the, and help the Packers pull off a huge upset? I'm with you in this one. I hit the Niners as well, 28 to 21. The Packers, though, in nine straight games, they scored the first touchdown. And you saw last week, they, you know, they uh, won the coin toss, ended up taking the ball, and they went right down the field on them. And the Packers do that again this week. The Niners, we know, are much better from playing from in front. Like, you can get the Niners kind of trailing, get them out of kind of their game plan and what they want to do. I think that's going to help you a lot. But yeah, I think they're going to struggle to run the football. Um, but I, I think, you know, Green Bay's wide receivers, I think they're going to be able to make some plays in this one. I think they're, you know, San Francisco's 49ers, you know, the secondary is pretty good, but I do think that Jordan loves me. He'll make some plays against them. Um, but I just, but I'm with you. I just, I don't see Green Bay's defense getting enough stops in this one. Um, and I do see Brock Purdy playing pretty well. Their running game having um, a pretty good game on the ground. And I just don't think Jordan loves to be able to keep up with Brock Purdy in that Niners offense. And I, do have San Francisco moving on to the NFC Championship game. But you did bring up a good point about Green Bay. And they did a great job last week of taking the ball first because that set the tone for the entire game against the Cowboys. They took the ball first, they scored that touchdown, and that set the tone for the entire game. I mean, I, I think that, yeah, and you brought it up. If the Packers get an early lead, it could be trouble for the Niners because we saw in their game against the Vikings this year, in their game against the Bengals, in their game against the Ravens, the games they've struggled in, they have gotten way behind. The the, the, the Packers have the better quarterback in this game. If, if you don't think that, you, you don't know what you're watching. The Packers clearly have the better quarterback in this football game. You put Jordan Love on the 49ers, that team is easily going to the Super Bowl. The Packers have the better quarterback in this game. So, so, so the, so, but the, but the, the problem with the Packers is the Niners clearly have the better team. But the, but the but the thing is, is if the Packers get that early lead, can Brock Purdy play from behind? Can he play from behind? So you made a great point about the Packers scoring early and, and scoring first. And, and that's what they've done over the last, you know, over, over, over the last. And, they, and even in the games they lost against the Giants and the Bucks, they've, they've scored. They've scored. I think they've scored first. In. They did, I know that for sure they scored first against the Giants. So, yeah, if the Packers score first, it definitely makes this game interesting. Absolutely, you know, because Shanahan, too, in his coaching career, he's only got one or two games where, you know, when he's trailing by eight points or less and going in the fourth quarter, he's only won one or two of those games. So I know they're not always I don't think he's won any. Lot, I, 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 I'll check out. I don't think he's won any games where he's trailed for by uh, eight points in, in the fourth quarter. I don't think exactly. he's won any. Maybe you're right, yeah. it. I know it hasn't – yeah, it hasn't happened a lot. Maybe it hasn't happened ever. Because I know I've seen this at somewhere before a couple weeks ago. Like I think it was during that losing streak. So maybe I am, you know, so maybe I am misremembering that. Um, but yeah, like you know, like you know, in any case, the Niners have struggled when they've gotten behind and they have, you know, they're going trailing in the fourth quarter. Like they want to kind of establish that running game. They want to kind of, um, you know, you know, use the uh, time of possession game. Um, you know, be able to kind of run on, you know, you know, be able to run a lot. So. 
I think, you know, so if the Niners, yeah, if the Niners trail and like Brock Purdy's got to come from behind, they do have the weapons to make plays and they are playing a Green Bay defense that will give up some yards, you know, they can't come back with, with that offensive talent. But yeah, it is something to kind of keep an eye on. Like, you know, San Francisco just hasn't, you know, they really haven't proven it a lot. So it would be interesting and it would put all the pressure on uh, San Francisco because, you know, there, there's a lot of pressure on this green, on, on that San Francisco team because they're by far the best, the best team left and especially in the NFC. So there's a lot of pressure on the, to get to the Super Bowl this year. So, you know, it, it would not shock me if, yeah, Jordan Luck go down right down the field, score a touchdown, they go up 7 nothing. Uh, you know, the pressure come, goes on, especially from a Green Bay team that you saw last week. You know, Hector brought up the point that this team's got nothing to lose. So it's the same thing going in this week. So I would expect, you know, if they're going to be aggressive again. Yeah, you brought it up. Green Bay has nothing to lose, and San Francisco has all the pressure in the world. Because San Francisco's been knocking on the door since 2019. Lost the Super Bowl. 2019, lost the Super Bowl to the Chiefs. 2020, they had a bunch of injuries during the COVID year. But then 2021, had that lead in the fourth quarter against the Rams, lost the NFC Championship game. Last year, Purdy goes down. They have no quarterback, lose the NFC Championship game. They've been knocking on the door since 2019 to win a championship, and it, it, and it hasn't happened for them. There's a, not only pressure to win a uh, to win the to win the NFC, they got pressure to win the Super Bowl. The Packers, they got nothing to lose. They got nothing to lose. No one really expected them to be competing for a championship this year with with Jordan Love. They, 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 they answered the question they needed answered: Is Jordan Love their guy going forward? And over the last nine weeks, they they've gotten their answer, and they've gotten the answer they wanted. Yes. So the Packers have gotten all that what they've wanted out of this season. The Niners. They need to win. This is this is this is this is a year they have they have to win because eventually in the next two or three years they're going to pay Brock Purdy, Purdy, and they're not going to have the roster they have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, you're you're seeing a lot of these teams kind of be able to win with these, you know, kind of with these quarterbacks and their rookie deals, and you know, you're you're kind of seeing it with, um, you know, like Mahomes, like and Mahomes deserves all that money he's getting, but like you're kind of seeing the team around you don't, you know. It's tough, you know. You couldn't pay Tyreek Hill twenty million a year, you know. You couldn't give him that contract because you know you're giving Mahomes that money. So, yeah, you know it's tough, especially because they have, you know, really good wide receivers, and and George Kittle is one of the best tight ends in the sport. So, yeah, you know, like the pressure's on now for the San Francisco when they got a really good defense. Like they really invested in that defensive line a couple years ago, and it's really paid dividends for them. So, yeah, there's a ton of um, there's a ton of pressure on Shanahan. There's a ton of pressure on Purdy and the rest of that roster to, you know to win especially too because you're playing three other teams that you know the lions they just won their first playoff game in 30 years green bay's the youngest roster in the nfl and you're playing a bucks team with baker like they and they have some super bowl experience from you know a couple years ago but yeah you're you're you know like with the three teams you know the lions do have a lot of talent but it, it's right now kind of set up in the nfc like you know san francisco should be able to win this thing and you know, like I know last year they all, you know, kind of the, you know, wanted to prove it after last year when Purdy got hurt in the NFC Championship game and the Eagles, you know, beat them. You know, I know they they've always they've always talked that they would have won that game if Purdy was healthy. So I know that's something too for them huge to kind of prove it to everybody that they were the best team last year and they still are. Yeah, it's definitely their NFC to lose because of the step backs the Eagles and Cowboys have taken. The Eagles took them, <laughs> definitely took a step back, and the Cowboys, I mean, they pretty much were they were kind of the same, and they pretty they took a little bit of a step back. So it is, it is their NFC to lose because yeah, you said it, the Lions. 
they never want to play. They never want to playoff games. And this is their first playoff win they've had in 32 years. Uh, and then you look at the teams, the other two teams, the Bucks. They weren't expected to really do much this year after after Brady retired and Baker came in. So they really didn't have much expected of them. And then you look at the uh, you look at the Packers. I mean, they they as I said earlier, they answered their question. Do they have their guy going forward? And that's Jordan Love. This is absolutely absolutely the 49ers NFC to lose. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. You know, and there's if they can't find a way to win this thing, you know, get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, there'll be a lot of questions in the offseason surrounding Shanahan. You know, there'll always be the Brock Purdy question. So, yeah, it's there's going to be a lot of mounting um, pressure on San Francisco because, you know, with all those kind of younger guys that they got that they got to pay soon, like your kind of windows closing for you got to kind of make some tough decisions on who you're going to keep and, um, you know, and a couple guys that you might have to move on for that you're not going to be able to afford. Absolutely. 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 So we'll move on to the other matchup in the NFC on Sunday afternoon, and that is the Bucks heading to Detroit to face the Lions. And this is a rematch of a game in week six that the Lions won 20 to six. And the biggest reason why the Lions won that game is they were able to stop the Bucks running game. They forced a turnover early from Baker Mayfield, and it was the big plays in that game. It was the big play to on third down to Amaran St. Brown. And it was the big play in the fourth quarter to Jamison Williams. That was the big reason why they won this game. And I think that might happen, happen in this game because, you know, Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles loves to blitz. So they are susceptible susceptible to giving up big plays. Even last week, they gave a big a big play to Devontae Smith, the biggest play of the game for the Eagles. So Todd Bowles likes to blitz. I think he'll, he'll continue to do that. And I think he'll get some pressure. I think they'll sack Jared Goff a couple of times. But I do think they, they, the Lions absolutely move the ball. I think that they focus on St. Brown because he had such a big game against them in the Mia Atchum in week six. I, th- I think they focus on him in this game, but I do think that guys like Josh Reynolds and Sam Laporta have pretty good games. To, pretty good games. I think Jared Goff has a pretty good game. He maybe makes a mistake. I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a mistake. Maybe the Bucks defense forces a mistake, but I also think the Lions defense forces a mistake. I don't think against another game. I don't think either team runs the ball that well in this game. I don't think either team runs the ball in the, well in this game. But I think the difference in this game is going to be it's just going to be like kind of similar to the last game that the uh, Lions played. The Lions will be the better team in the red zone. The Lions will – I think the Lions will convert more in the red zone. I think the Bucks will get down there, but I think the Lions defense is going to do what they do to the Rams, hold them to field goals. The Lions will score touchdowns, The, the and, and the Lions will hold the Bucks to field goals, and I think that's ultimately going to be the difference in this game. And that's why I got the Lions going to the NFC Championship games for the first 1991, beating the Bucks 24-19. to I think the game comes right down to the end with the ball in Baker's hands and Baker not getting it done. I got the Lions heading to the NFC Championship game for the first time since 1991 but justin can can the can baker continue to stay hot can the and can the bucks get revenge from week six and get to their second conference championship game in four years will be a challenging but i i'm with you i got the lines as well 27 to 23 yeah baker played you know really well last week i know the eagles i don't we'll, we'll get to him here soon um but you know, he he looked pretty healthy last week. He didn't look like he was battling any um, injuries. Uh, yeah, I know week six they really struggled, but I don't. The Lions' defense isn't as good as it was back then. Um, and I do think Baker Day will make some plays in this one. You know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Um, I know they got Kaden Ott in the tight end. You know, had eight catches I think on uh, Monday night, and Evans should have had a much better game. He dropped two or three touchdowns. Um, you know, it, 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 that could have been potential touchdowns in that one. So I think if Baker, you know, plays mistake-free football, and you mentioned it too, the, the red zone numbers, um, yeah, like the Lions last week did a 
outstanding job, you know, forcing the Rams to kick three field goals. Um, so it's going to be huge for Baker in this one to be able to convert those touchdowns instead of three points. Cause with that Lions offense, um, you know, you're not gonna be able to keep up getting three points, um, you know, in those possessions. So for, for the bucks, I think they got to be able to score touchdowns this one. And they're probably going to struggle to run the football, as you mentioned as well. Um, but if they can get, kind of get some remnants of a running game and, and, you know, cause like even last week, like there was a couple of third and shorts, second and shorts where they were trying to throw the football and they'd either get sacked or it was an incomplete pass. Like they really didn't try to run the football at all. And I think, you know, you kind of go in that same game plan this week, you know, with like an Aiden Hutchinson, if, if, if the line's pass rush, you can just, you know, if they are not concerned about your running game and that, that pass rush can just get after you, um, it, it could be a long day for Baker in that Bucks offense. Yeah, and I think they had some success running the football last week, but let's be honest, look at who they play. I mean, that defense that has been absolutely terrible over the last, you know, month of the season. This Lions defense is not great because we saw their issues in the secondary with Puka Nakua last week. But the one thing about the Lions defense that I said it last week, they're really good against the run. They did a great job containing Kyron Williams. I just don't see the Bucs running the ball. Kyron Williams was running the ball really well, and the Lions shut him down last week. So I but so I do think the way the Bucs will move the ball in this game is through the is through the air with Chris Godwin, with Mike Evans. I think with with, those, with Kate Odden, with those guys, I just don't see them running the football, be able to run the football in this game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's going to be difficult. And yeah, they ran the ball well the Bucks did last week. And I kind of felt like they should have stuck with it more because it was working. But, you know, it, it didn't matter. They're going up and down the field no matter, you know, what they were doing. But yeah, like if, if they really showed to run the football, which, yeah, could, is probably going to, um, probably going to happen in this game then yeah like I, I do see baker and that offense having a rough time trying to get get anything going because you know i think jared Goff through the air is going to have a pretty good game and 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 the lines are going to be able to do what they want through the air so you know the the bucks are going to have to be able to keep up with them and if they can get that running game going it's going to be you know crucial for that but you know and then they could use that off play action but yeah, if they can't, if the Bucks can't get the running and going, and they can kind of tee off on Baker, then I, I really could see the Lions blowing them out in this game. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the Bucks, I don't think will blow out the Lions, but the Lions definitely have a chance to blow out the Bucks. They beat them by two scores at home, and now, and now they got a really good home field advantage against against the Bucks this week. So it should be interesting between those two teams. But we got to wrap up talking about the game, the, the best game of the weekend. And that is between the Chiefs and the Bills. This has turned into a really, really good rivalry. The interesting part of this rivalry is, is the Bills have beaten the Chiefs in Kansas City three consecutive times. But in the playoffs, the Chiefs have beaten them the last two times. And we all know what happened in the last game they played. That was an absolute classic between those two teams. But, but this, this should be also a really competitive game. The Bills won earlier in the season, so this should be a really good game. But in this game, I'm going to take the team that knows how to win this these kind of games and that's the Chiefs and that's because here's the reason why I think Isaiah Pacheco is going to be the difference I think they are going to run the football better than the Bills in this game I think Isaiah Pacheco is going to have a good game on the ground and I think another reason why I think they're going to win the Chiefs are going to win this game I think Patrick Mahomes is going to make less mistakes than uh Josh Allen I think Allen's going to turn over the ball once or twice in this game and I think the Chiefs defense will play a little bit better than the Bills defense let's, let's not forget the Chiefs, that was a game into the fourth quarter with the with the Steelers without T.J. Watt. And then Josh Allen drove them down the field and they ended up winning it. But I, I think this is obviously going to be a close competitive game. I think I think during this game, I think the Bills might outplay them. I think they might have like more passing yards and more total yards. 
but I do think that the Chiefs run the ball better, and I do think the Chiefs force that turnover or two from Josh Allen. I think the game comes right down to the end now. I think it's 24-24 with the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands, and guess what Patrick Mahomes does to the Chief, to the Bills' defense? He leads them on a game-winning drive for the win, and that's why I got the Chiefs heading to their sixth consecutive conference championship game, beating the Bills 27-24. to But, Justin, can the Bills pull off a sweep of the Chiefs and finally beat them in the postseason? I am going to take the Bills, 23-20. to um, You know, the Bills finally got the chance to get them at home in the playoffs. And, you know, I feel like this might be your best chance to beat them in the playoffs. You know, because who knows, maybe the next time that they, you know, they could be back in the one seed next year. So this might be their you know, best shot here. I do worry about the Bills because, you know, the injuries have been piling up defensively here. But, and I know that was probably – one of Kansas City's best offensive performances we've seen in quite a while from them. But I feel like I – like, was it just Miami just – Miami just didn't want to seem to, like, they wanted to be there last week. Like, they the tackling was poor, you know, like – Oh, yeah. You know, oh, the, my God. That's, a, that's another story with Mike McDaniel. Yeah, it just shows yeah. you why he's an overrated head coach. And two is an overrated that, – that, that is such a front-running team. That is the Dallas Cowboys of the AFC right there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right on that. That, that, that was a team that – folded very very quickly before that in that game so like look i'll give the chiefs credit but i i feel like that was mostly because this is uh, the dolphins last week and the bills yeah like you know you mentioned the allen turnovers numbers and fit or 14 and seven is 17 starts this year he threw an interception you know i know he didn't last week but he's gonna have to do something like that again i like to see the bills and the joe brady kind of script up some more design runs for josh allen i think you know his legs are a weapon um but I think, you know, with that Chiefs offense, I think the Bills are able to do enough to kind of slow them down. I do think Josh Allen makes enough plays and, you know, and I think they convert enough here in the red zone. Um, the Bills have been getting lucky with those red zone inter, um, turnovers. And the Chiefs last week kicked, what, four or five field goals? Like, they didn't still they didn't finish drives, you know? So I still don't have a ton of confidence in the Chiefs finishing their drives and I'll take Buffalo at home this week, and I think they finally in the playoffs get over the hump against uh, Kansas City and get the AFC Championship game. And you made a good point about the Chiefs kicking a bunch of field goals last week. That game should have been put away. That game should have been put away even earlier than it was. The Chiefs, the Chiefs, uh, the Chiefs kicked a bunch of field, yeah, they kicked a bunch of field goals last week, and they cannot kick field goals and beat Josh Allen. You can kick field goals and beat Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins, but you cannot kick field goals and beat Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. You cannot do – in Buffalo, you cannot do that. they got to convert in the red zone trips. That's a great point right there. they got to convert on the red zone trips if they want to win this game. I think they will. I think they will convert this week because I think they maybe were a little bit conservative because they kind of knew they had, they were they were in control in that Dolphin game, but they cannot be be, not, be kicking, field goals, kicking field goals against this Bills team and, ex, and expect the same results they had last week. Yeah, absolutely not. You know, you mentioned it. Like a guy like Josh Allen's gonna be able to to uh, make you pay for those. And will the Bills be more aggressive? Because I know does Tyler Bass have the yips now? Like after last week, like he missed like that. What do you miss? Like a twenty-seven yarder, and it was way off. Like, it, it, you know, is is that a little bit of concern now for the Bills? Like, are they more aggressive in you know like a fourth and short or something? So that that could be something too that could kind of come down to it as well. So. Yeah, and I just I think at home I know the Bills have not you know they've won six straight now I know in a couple they've not looked 
impressive, but I do think the Bills kind of this week, yeah, they they just find a way and yeah, I think their defense makes enough stops in the red zone and do hold Patrick Mahomes in that in that offensive field goals. I just like even some of the short yardage um plays this year from the Chiefs, like I just haven't liked some of their play calling. Like the gadget stuff, they'll take the balls out of Mahomes' hand and it's just like, what are you doing? So like I could see something like that coming back to to bite them this week. So um that's why I just I you know, even with all the Bills defensive injuries, I still think at home, Bills Mafia, they, they you know, that crowd will come out and and uh think they make a difference in the game. You made a great point about the kicking game, though, for the Bills. That could be very costly. Those two missed field goals kept kept especially the the one that got blocked. That kind of turned the game around a little bit on Monday against the Steelers. Those missed field goals uh it could be a very it could be concerning. We, we talked about the Chiefs kicking field goals in the red zone. That could be concern kicking field goals instead of get, kicking field goals instead of getting touchdowns. The Bills missing field goals, easy makeable field goals. That could be a major, major concern in this game for them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what I know the weather's supposed to be nicer, but yeah, and then you get the wind involved. Like, yeah, like it could, you know, the kicking game's in a, you know, gonna be crucial. Like, you know, cause you kind of figure this game's gonna be, you know. We both have as a three-point game. Like, you know, Mr. Extra Point or two could make a huge difference in this game. So, you know, a- absolutely. Like, the kicking game is going to be huge. And, you know, do both coaches caught a little bit more aggressive, you know, maybe have it, you know, so something like that. So, yeah, like, the kicking game is going to be huge in this one. If, you know, if, if kickers miss an extra point or two, they miss an easy one like Tyler Bassett. So, yeah, in a close game like this, it definitely could uh could impact the game big time. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But in the end, I just have to go with, I'm going to go with the team with the better defense and that's, and that's the chiefs. I know the Bills defense is good, but I think the chiefs defense is better. I, I, I think both, I think the, I actually think the bills run the, or have a better running game, but I do think the chiefs run the football better in this game. I think that the, the chiefs defense stops to run better than the bills defense does. But at the end of the day though, it comes down to the coach and quarterback. And when it's all on the line, it's happened twice. It's hard for me to pick against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes against Sean McDermott and Josh Allen. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely, and I, you know, see your point. You know, um, you know, this is the first time Mahomes too is going on the road in the po- in the postseason, so be a little bit different for him too. Um, you know, again, I don't obviously he's not going to be rattled or anything, but you know, a little bit different for him. Um, you know, maybe a little bit hard to get the plays in. Um, but yeah, like Andy Reid, Mahomes, you know, they've been phenomenal, and you know, we know the kind of the struggle McDermott's had and. You know, maybe because they did win last week, maybe, you know, the job is safe now for McDermott. Maybe, you know, now if you, you know, you lose the Chiefs again, maybe there's some, you know, people calling for for his job. But, yeah, you know, like they just, the Bills, you know, and McDermott, they haven't been able to get over his hump. And I do think that this is their best shot now that you've got them at home in the postseason. I do think they, they'll find a way now to finally get over those demons and uh, knock off the Chiefs. We talked about this being the Ravens' best shot. This is the Bills' shot. This is a really good chance for the Bills, too, especially to beat the Chiefs and get to a Super Bowl because the Chiefs are not going to have – I know this is – the Chiefs had a good year, but they're not going to have years like this where they're vulnerable. They're not going to have years like this where they're vulnerable. You saw as a Patriot fan, there were a couple of years – this this Chiefs team is very similar to, like, the 2013 Patriots, the 2019 Patriots, a team that, you know, struggled at the skill, skill positions in the passing game and were vulnerable. This Chiefs team is is is, is very similar to that team where it's a very vulnerable team. And the teams like the Bills and Ravens, they're not going to have opportunities like this, so both those teams need to cash in. Yeah, no, you're right about that. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, because yeah, a couple of those years the Patriots just didn't have the talent, you know, the skill position talent you mentioned. They did have Brady, and you know, some of those years that were, were definitely, um, you know, difficult. And and yeah, like you know, you expect the Chiefs to go out this offseason and really fix that wide receiver core, and you would hope learn their lesson that like you know you got to get guys that can actually catch a football and um yeah and, and again that chiefs defense has made such a improvement this year it's uh spagnolio's done a great job at dc and you know where would this chiefs team be without that defense this year you know like it, it'd be a much different story so be, yeah they would not they would not, they would not they would not have a chance they yeah they would yeah. not have a chance they, i mean they would have a little bit of a chance because of mahomes but their chance would not be very good at all they're they still have not they're not the favorite. They still have a pretty good chance to win this thing. Because I think a big reason because they have obviously the best player in the sport in Patrick Mahomes. But the second biggest reason is because of that defense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, because that defense has been so good this year. Um, they've been one of the better ones in the entire sport. And you know, I don't think a lot of people saw it coming. And yeah, like when you have Mahomes back there, you got a shot in any game, and you know that you're going to win that football game. But yeah, without that defense making that huge upgrade, um. They'd definitely be a little bit different. Yeah, they'd still be kind of the team, especially with the year it's been for the AFC and all the injured injured quarterbacks this year. Um, but yeah, you know, they, they've the Chiefs next year are definitely going to kind of fix this offense, and I, I expect this offense to kind of get back to somewhat like we've seen the last couple of years from them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So it should be interesting. Divisional round weekend should be a fun, fun weekend. Hopefully the games are better this weekend than they were last weekend, but divisional round is one of the best – probably, I think, the best Sundays of the year because you get four games and you get four really good teams going up against each other. It should be a really, really fun divisional round weekend. But we got to get to two teams that lost on wild card weekend and we on wild card weekend, and we got to start with the Cowboys. We got to start with the Cowboys, and they're absolutely embarrassing embarrassing performance at home against the Green Bay Packers. That score was not indicative of how that game was. The Packers completely dominated the Cowboys in that game. And uh, the big question is, is what do the Cowboys have to do moving forward? And the big thing is, and last week I said they should keep Mike McCarthy as the head coach. Right now, honestly, for the way that team started in the playoff game, the way that team came out in the playoff game, I think it's time to move on. But here's, here's the thing about that. If Jerry Jones doesn't step down, moving on from Mike McCarthy does absolutely nothing because the same things are going to happen if they don't get a general manager. So moving on from McCarthy, for me, does nothing if Jerry Jones doesn't step down. Yeah, I'm with you. There's been one constant here in the Cowboys' struggles in the postseason since, you know, since since 95, and that is Jerry Jones running the show. And, yeah, you know, he's got to look himself in the mirror, and I know that's something – he, I I doubt he does, but yeah, like again, you're the Dallas Cowboys, and again, Mike McCarthy's a what top fifteen ish, like around there, like top fifteen the coach. Last... Funny, they have a. What'd you say? What are you gonna say? I was gonna say like they have not had a top tier coach in what since Jimmy Johnson, like Bill the one year Parcells exactly. was there, like that's that's the problem the Dallas Cowboys should not have a mediocre coach on the sidelines but again that's because of Jerry Jones and he wants his his way so look since uh this playoff drought for the Cowboys they've only won four playoff games the Texans which didn't become a franchise since 02 have five so you're not the best team in your state that's that says something absolutely absolutely and and the, and the problem with the Cowboys with Jerry Jones the GM they're not poorly ran they're not poorly ran. They're better ran than half the teams in the NFL. But the problem is when they get into the – this is the problem when they get into the postseason. 
when they get into the postseason, they go up against better organizations than them, and that's why they always lose. Look at all the organizations that made the playoffs in the NFC. 49ers, clearly a better ran organization than the Cowboys. The, uh, the, the Lions, right now with Brad Holmes, they're clearly a better ran organization than the Cowboys. You even look at you look at Philly. Yeah, they had a terrible month, but Charlie Roseman is still better than Jerry Jones, the general manager. You look at the Buccaneers. That's, that's the one team you might argue that you could argue might be better. The Cowboys might be better ran than. But honestly, the Buccaneers have. Won, I know they had Tom Brady, but they won the Super Bowl three years ago. They won a Super Bowl. Jason Light has done a pretty good job there. You could argue they're better. They're better ran than the Cowboys. And then you look at the uh, the other the two wild card teams, the Rams. Packers. They're absolutely better ran than the Cowboys. Better ran the Cowboys. Then you don't even need to talk about the Packers because the Packers have owned have owned the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs. Yeah. So every single organization in the NFC is better ran than the Dallas Cowboys. Then we look over in the AFC, Kansas City Chiefs, definitely better ran than the Cowboys. Uh, uh, the uh, the Baltimore Ravens, they're they're definitely better ran. The uh, the uh, Buffalo, the uh, Buffalo Bills, definitely, they, they definitely have the edge on the Cowboys. You even, t- I'll, I'll give them the edge against the over the Texans right now. I'll give them the edge over. That's the one team I'll give them the edge over is the Texans. Give them the edge over the Texans. Pittsburgh Steelers, of course they're, of course they're better ran than the Cowboys. Uh, the the, uh, the, the, um, the Miami. Okay, Cleveland. I'll give, them, I'll give them two teams. I'll give maybe, I'll give them maybe three teams in the postseason. Cleveland, Miami. And Houston. That is it. So out of the 14 teams, they're better than three of those teams and none of them in their conference. So that is the problem. But the problem is Jerry Jones doesn't see it that way. Jerry Jones would rather be good and have all the power than be great and have someone else make personnel decisions. That is the problem. But he doesn't realize it. And that's why they'll never be a joke with Jerry Jones. They could beat up on the Giants. They could beat up on the Commanders all, all they want. But the problem is, as long as Jerry Jones is there, they will never, not even, not even as long as Jerry Jones the GM, not only will they not win a Super Bowl, they will never play in a conference championship game until they get an actual general manager. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. They will not play another conference championship game until they get a, until they get a general manager. And proof of that is, too, the last two quarterbacks they had were good enough to win championships with. You're good enough to win a, you're good enough to win a championship with Dak Prescott. Outside of the coach, GM, and quarterback, Dak Prescott is the least of the problems. The coach and the GM are definitely more of a problem than Dak Prescott. If you think if this is this this is Dak Prescott, I know he didn't play a great game on Sunday. I know he's not an elite quarterback, but he is good enough to win a championship with, and there is, is a no-brainer the Cowboys should extend him. The problem is, is the head coach is decent but not great, and Jerry Jones, you cannot build a championship team with Jerry and Stephen Jones as your general manager. Yeah, Jones is it's a, it's a big problem down there, and you brought up a lot of really good points about the organization because it, it's it's a mess. And again, I know we talked to last week with the media. He's always talking to you know, like again last week he brings up, well, you know, we'll go game by game basis. We bring McCarthy back, like why? Like why are you saying stuff? Like that just puts a mouth so much pressure on that team. Puts pressure on him. And how do you not know if he's going to be your coach next year or not? How do you not know? <laughs> I, I don't know. I I I, I don't know. Like it's just, these are the things that he needs to tune back on and look. You know, like yeah, like the Cowboys always have one of the better talented rosters in the NFC. Like they're always a playoff team. It's just they can never get over the hump. I Dak was Dak had you know his best year so far as a pro. He I 
he looked scared like that. You know, he he looked absolutely scared on that in that field. So he should have thrown four or five interceptions in the first half the other day. Um, he was brutal. Um, but like they just came out, they just got punched in the mouth and they lied down like that. Like they just, yeah, you know, yep. they just there was no fight, and that's kind of been you know like it's just been a like what two years ago the Dak Prescott the 13 second scramble oh I thought I had enough time wasn't it I thought I had enough time to run a player I thought I had a timeout last year yep the final play like that trying to get you know hand it off to Elliot like whatever that last year like some of the stuff that they've tried late in games or just it's just you know some of the things, yeah, like if you had a GM, if you had somebody else running the show, if you had a top level coach, these things wouldn't be happening. Um, there, they, you know, that was just they looked absolutely pathetic, and yeah, like Jones needs to step down or take, or you know, or let let somebody, I mean, take take over the GM role. Um, but yeah, I don't believe he will ever do that. I'm with you. I don't think this team will ever get back to an NFC Championship game because of Jerry Jones running the show, and you know. Does Steven is Steven Jones like his dad? Do you know? Because like if he is, this is gonna keep happening even when Jerry Jones, you know, decides as he gets older to to uh give give more of power to his son. If he's the same way, this is gonna keep ha- happening even longer. It definitely will. It definitely will. One thing the Cowboys organization has done very well, and why they're you know always in the top half of the league and the Cowboys are usually a pretty good team, is because of the way they've drafted in the first round. They've done a great job drafting the first round. The issues are, the issues are with them, though, is they don't, outside of getting Amari Cooper, you know, like four, four or five years ago, they really don't make big trades like the 49ers did with Christian McCaffrey or the Eagles did with, uh, with A.J. Brown or the Rams did with, uh, with Matthew Stafford. They don't make that big trade. They usually don't do that. And, and also... You know, the, 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 you saw a glaring issue on the Cowboys this year, and that was that run defense. And they had pretty much a safety playing middle linebacker as since when Van Der Esch went out. And they continue to have that safety play middle linebacker all year long. You would think when the Bills ran all over you in that game in Buffalo that you would make some sort of change. But no, 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 no. We're not going to change what we're going to do. We're just going to keep it going because we want our opinion to, to matter, we're, to, 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 be the, to be the opinion. We don't want, you know, to make adjustments. And that's what happened. And they lost and they got knocked out again. And then you get to the NFC Championship game again. And the main reason is because of the front office, Steven and Jerry Jones. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that those those guys have been the constants of what is happening. And yeah, again, the, the ego's too big for him to figure that out and the, to learn his lesson, I feel like. And yeah, it's a huge problem. And, you know, it just, you know, I, it's just, I, you know, like the Dallas had so much talent and, and offensively this year, they were an absolute juggernaut at home. And then they go out and, and that was a performance. It's just an absolute embarrassment. And, and uh, I, I get it from the Cowboys fans of the frustration and all that. Like, it, it, you know, one of these years you got to be able to get a hump and yeah, like without, without, you know, the Jones is there. Um, like the, you know, having the safety point linebacker like that, it's stuff like that where you kind of would figure out like, and Dan Quinn's going to head coaching job. Like after that Sunday, I, I know he's got three interviews coming up later in the week, but man, I, I don't know if I want that guy to be my head coach. It's the way I saw that team Sunday. And yeah, as you mentioned, just being able to the run this year. It's just brutal. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. If Dan Quinn doesn't get a coaching job and you know, say McCarthy has a big stick with McCarthy has a bad year next year. Guess who that coach is going to be 
It's gonna be Dan Quinn. It's gonna be Dan Quinn. Nice. When they had the opportunity to move on from uh from from McCarthy this year and maybe you know get a Vrabel, get a get a Harbaugh or even a Belichick, no, no, they'll probably wait out another year with McCarthy and then hire Dan Quinn as the head coach, and it'll be the same same thing that has happened for years with the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, you know it, it probably will, and you know, could this you know. I could see maybe Jerry moving on because now I think people are like after Sunday really kind of like losing faith and kind of like in McCarthy, like, all right, you know, so that the fan base kind of, Hey, can I, you know, I'll bring in somebody else to kind of lift up the spirits. I, you know, I don't know if he would do that. I, I think after Sunday, you, you, you got it. Cause I don't think that team's winning, you know, like that team with McCarthy, I don't think it's getting anywhere either with him being, being a head coach. Yeah. Like this is, when are you gonna have another coaching carousel like this of a Harbaugh out there, a Belichick, and a Mike Vrabel who's done a really good job in his young career? Like, when you have three guys like that as as candidates, you know, like that's rare. That's really, really rare. So you would think, you know, he would check his ego out the door and get one of those three. But yeah, I'm with you. I just, I know I brought it up last week, but I just, you know, I'm with you know. I to be the best thing in the world for Cowboys fan would be to for him to go out and hire one of those three. But yeah, I just I don't. It's tough to see that happening. Yep, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Very, 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 very difficult uh, to see it happening. But here's the thing, and I'll end it with this: If firing Mike McCarthy does nothing, if Jerry Jones doesn't step down as the general manager, firing McCarthy does nothing if Jerry Jones doesn't step down. So well, I will end it at that. But we got to move on to the other NFC East team, and that is the Eagles. And they were, after the 10-1 and start, they were absolutely pathetic. Pathetic in the last month of the season. Their only win was to the Giants, who they beat every year in Philadelphia. But they were absolutely pathetic. And I saw this coming. I saw it coming because I saw that first half against the Giants where they were so bad. And I knew at that point they're one and done. And on Monday night, they were absolutely terrible against the Buccaneers, getting blown out 32-9. to And the big question is, is, should the Eagles move on from Nick Sirianni? It's a tough, this is now a tough question. I thought it was ridiculous, you know, when they talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's a tough question now. I'm going to say no. I'm going to let him try to – because he got into the Super Bowl last year, so I'm going to let him try to fix it this year. But I would not be surprised if they do, seeing how horrible this team was in the last month of the season. Yeah, it's a tough one. Because um, they, they were 30 seconds away last year from winning the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I'll take the other side and say they should fire him because he's a CEO. He doesn't call the offense or defensive play. So you can't go to ownership today and say, I'll give up the play calling duties. You know, I'll be more of a CEO. Like he's already the CEO and that team looked like that team, you know, they could not tackle fundamentally. They look just horrible. Like, and then they're running five out, you know, like they're going empty backfield. And you mentioned it. We're talking about uh, the top was, bulls. Was, like they just. just... I didn't say? get their game plan at all. Yeah, they're they're not they're, yeah. not, yeah, they're not even picking up blitzes. I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. I think part of it's on hurts, but part of it's on the offensive game plan. It's terrible. Yeah, and I know you know. And wasn't Peterson fired because he didn't bring a good, good enough candidate to the table in 2020 to uh, Roseman? Like, wasn't that a reason why they fired him? They didn't like his candidate pool, like. He doesn't do that, you know, like he better have a solid candidate pool coming in because I, you know, because this is he's a CEO and that team looked like they quit. I don't know if they quit on him. I don't know if they quit on, 
you know, like a Hurts or anybody. Like, there's a lot of, and I know they're an older roster too, and they had a really easy schedule. They had the easy schedule, I think, in the in the uh, NFL last year, you know. But man, like that team just absolutely fell apart. I know they were ten and one, but we talked about it. Like they kind of kept finding ways to win football games. It wasn't pretty, but you don't apologize for winning. But you could kind of see, like, at some point, a couple of these games they were winning was not going to keep happening. And it just all fell apart in the last couple of weeks. And I just, you know, I just, I like, can you, you know, there's a lot of changes that have to be had. And I know Kelsey's, Jace Kelsey already retired. And, you know, I know they got Graham and, and Fletcher Cox been there forever. Like, they're going to have to make a lot of changes. But I just... I feel like with that fan base, like they just had the Phillies collapse too a couple months ago. Like that, that city is going to, you know, hasn't called for his name. So I think you might have to move on from him just because of the way the thing collapsed. You kind of maybe just need to restart some things over here. Yeah, and you brought up him being a football CEO. You brought up him being a football CEO, and he kind of is. And he really, yeah, he isn't really great. The offensive side of the ball is supposed to be a strength, and the offense really, really struggled at the end of the season. You can blame it on Brian Johnson, but that's supposed to be his side of the ball. You kind of expected the Eagles' defense to take a little bit of a dive because they lost Jonathan Gannon, and they lost they lost personnel on defense. They lost Jerome Hargrave. They lost C.J. Gardner-Johnson. They lost T.J. Edwards. They lost pieces on that defense. The offense is pretty much the same offense as they had a year ago, and, and it definitely was not as good. They had their moments this year where they played well, but it definitely was not as good as it was a year ago. So, uh so, so yeah, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if Sirianni gets gets fired after this. I don't think they should. I think he should have a year to fix all this because he's had three straight winning seasons and he's been to the playoffs three years in a row. But seeing how badly they collapsed, I would not be surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't either. You know, and I get it. Yeah, he was thirty seconds away from making a or winning a Super Bowl, and yeah, maybe he should get the year to fix it. But just the way everything fell apart and. You know, like Roseman's one of the best GMs. Like they have one of the best front offices in the sport. Like, you know, they usually do a pretty good drafting. They, you know, they always put a really competitive team on the field year in, year out. So the way things ended, I know that front office cannot be happy. And, you know, there's a lot of issues there that they got to work out. And, you know, maybe, and again, like I just kind of meant, like you have a Belichick out there, you have a Harbaugh out there, you have a variable out there. Like I take all three of those over there, Sirianni. So it could, you know, like it could be one of those things too, where you could all kind of upgrade your coaching staff or your head coach, you know, bring in one of those three guys in. Yeah, I could see it, especially with this, the, the, with the, with these hires, Sirianni's meet with with the guys out there. At Sirianni's meeting with ownership today, so it should be interesting. But yeah, if they get one of those three guys, they'll clearly be the second best team in the NFC. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in Philadelphia. But we got to move on to the Patriots. And uh, last last week they said publicly. They parted ways with Bill Belichick, but let's be totally honest. They got rid of him. They got rid of him. There's no way you're going to tell me that a guy that, that, that it was mutual when a guy had total control of the organization, his kids on the coaching staff, and he had a house in Nantucket that he wanted to leave on his own. That is nonsense. That is flat out nonsense. They let him go. They got they got rid of him. And the biggest reason why, and we, we know why the biggest reason why they got rid of him is they did not trust him as the general manager of this team. They have a top three pick, and they're probably going to draft the quarterback of Drake Mayer or Jaden Daniels, and they did not trust Bill Belichick to put talent around this guy. They, they didn't. So I, I think, but, but the question is, do we was it the right move to move on from Bill Belichick? If he still wanted to be the GM, absolutely it was. Because I don't because I don't trust Belichick as a general manager to be able to put talent around one of these top quarterbacks in the draft 
and be a contender in in the conference in the next couple of years. Yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of said, like, like, look, and, you know, I didn't think Kraft was going to do it, but Kraft wants his organization back. And that's one thing that uh, he understands if he wants to win, unlike a team we just talked about in the Cowboys, I got to make a change. I have to kind of step up here and, and do something differently. And Kraft did that. Um, so I will give him credit for that. It's And it's probably time. They were, they were together for 24 years. Like, it's time to try to close that chapter. It's time to kind of move on. With a new quarterback coming in, you would think, you know, drafting, the, you know, whoever at number three overall here. Um, look, it's going to be weird not seeing Bill on the sidelines next year, but it was time. Like, if he didn't want to be, if, you know, and I thought last Monday with him coming out saying, I'll give up the GM role, it, but be the head coach, he pretty much was funny. I want to still be here. And if the crafts, and if it's parting ways, the crafts fired me. And exactly what he did. And so, I would like for him, you know, I would be fine with it if he was still the head coach here, but I get it from the craft standpoint of that might not change things. We might still do the same, same, you know, personal wise, all the same. And I know their relationships were not great. Like I, Jonathan Kraft and Bill did not get along. Like there's been some articles out now. So, you know, I think there's too much friction there. Yeah, you talk about the friction. It's it's obvious the Crafts were closer with Brady. They were with Belichick. That's that's obvious. And and, and listen, I give the Crafts a, a credit for this. I give them credit. They saw a problem. Personnel was a problem, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Personnel was a problem, and they could not have Bill Belichick be in charge of personnel. So I give the Kraft family credit for seeing a problem and fixing the issue. But that's going to lead me to my next point now with Gerard Mayo. And he spoke to the media today. Uh, with the Patriots, he had his press conference, his first press conference with the Patriots, and I like what I saw. I like what he saw about building young men and uh, building young men, and, and you know, you know, uh, uh, taking down the walls, getting to know these guys, having a personal relationship. How the game, he talked about how the game has changed as he's been drafted. So I think he's 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 into the modern day game. But the big question for the Patriots is, did they do the right thing hiring Mayo the next day? I would add a search. We don't know what fo- coach, how good or bad Gerard Mayo is going to be as a football coach. And listen, as a coach, he did learn from one of the best. He was on Belichick's staff, so he learned from one of the best coaches. But the thing is, is did they do the right thing hiring him the next day? I, I, let me tell you, I, I, I like what he, what he said in the press conference. I like that. But I do think a search should have been out seeing, again, the candidates that were out there. Seeing that Mike Vrabel, a guy who wanted to coach there with coaching experience and has had success in this league, was out there. I think there should have been a search. Yeah, I kind of wish there was. I wanted variable. Um, just I wanted an I wanted an experienced guy to come in because I know we're about talked about with Saban, like you're following the greatest coach in NFL history. And I know the organization is not where it was five years ago, but it's still you know pretty big uh shoes to fill here. Um and the guy like guy like variable would have been you know nice to have around here. Um but yeah, I you know, and I did watch the press conference too. I do like what he kind of said. Like it sounds like he's gonna be a lot more collaboration, maybe than there was with Bill was there. You know, like I just how like I, I you know, it sounds like Jonathan Kraft might be the GM for you know, or they bring in a guy like Eli Wolf comes back. Like that's what I worry about. Like is you know. Who's who's gonna be who's gonna be the guy making the pick? And it, I, you know, that's why. And I don't think it's we mail, but like, how much, how much of like the, the how much of like, um, of of the evaluation of draft guys or 
you know, evaluating for each, how much is it going to be different than when Bill was here? And that's what I'm kind of most worried about is like, is it going to be a lot different or are we kind of going to, this is how Bill would have evaluated. We're kind of going to do it the same way. That's where I, I kind of, I'm not certain about that. And I do worry a little bit about that. The GM hire is crucial for the Patriots. They have to hit on the general manager. The biggest thing, why the Patriots have fallen off the last four years. Yeah, Belichick's maybe lost his fastball a little bit, but the biggest reason why the Patriots have fallen off over the last, you know, four years is because the talent that they've had on the offensive side of the ball. This has been really over the last, you know, four years, an average to below average roster. The, and this is an offensive league, so you've got to have talent on the offensive side of the ball to have success. So the the GM, the this GM and how successful he is is going to be humongous for the Patriots going forward. Yeah, it absolutely will. You know, you mentioned the offside of the ball. Like, we haven't had number one one wide receiver since Edelman retired, and that's been a couple years now. Like, you know, we we just we have not had the talent offensively, and yeah, it's been a problem, especially in a league now where they make it so easy you know like so you know like they you know with some of the rules in place like it make they, they make it so easy for some of these offenses like you know it shouldn't be too hard but you know if they can get the quarterback right here look what the Texans and CJ shouted this year like I think the Patriots at this moment had more have more talent than the Texans did last year going in the draft so like if they can get that quarterback you know can you know could they sneak their way in the playoffs next year? Maybe, but they have to get that quarterback right. And yeah, it's a big draft here for them. So we'll see. But yeah, they, the offensive side of the ball has got to be a big, big, uh, big thing this offseason. We'll see at the OC spot. I think O'Brien's got two years left on his contract, I believe. But I, I, you know, he didn't really tip his hand if, you know, he was coming back or not. Yeah. And here's, here's, here's the other thing about, about the, the draft. The Patriots have not given a player. In the last 10 years, the last 10 drafts, there's not been one – there's only been one there, – there, there hasn't been a player in 10 years that they've they've given a second contract to in the last in, in, in the last decade. There hasn't been a player. has not been a player. They, the last player they gave a second contract to that was drafted in the first three rounds it, it, it was Deron Harmon in 2013. So the draft is so critical for the Patriots because this is where it went wrong. This is where it went wrong for the Patriots was at the draft. So they have to get the draft right. They have to get the GM higher right. That is the biggest key to their success. But going back to Belichick, the big question is with him. And, and, and again, this is why the whole mutual thing is, is, is nonsense because they, they let him go because he wouldn't be doing this if it was mutual. And even more, the other thing I don't like is they're trying to force Bill's kids on the staff to try to, try to act like it was mutual. No, it wasn't mutual. This, yeah. they, they let him go. But the big question with Belichick is, is – where where does he coach next year? What what team do you just and I think Atlanta. I think it's Atlanta. He wants to still coach. The Falcons want him. They I know it's not a, the best destination because they don't have a quarterback, but they do have talent on that team, especially on offense with B. John Robinson, with uh with Kyle Pitts and with Drake London. I mean, I know, I know Drake, uh, Kyle Pitts hasn't played as well as he should, but uh they do have talent on that offense. So the big thing there is if he does go to Atlanta for me is going to be the get, obviously the GM getting the quarterback right and then seeing if Bill can bring over Josh McDaniels as the offensive coordinator. Yeah. I'm with you. I got Atlanta. I think that's the spot he's going as well here too. Um, And, you know, because you told the Falcons fan eight years ago, like after they lost that Super Bowl, hey, you know, I know Bill just delivered <laughs> your worst loss in franchise history, but uh, he'll be your head coach in a couple of years. Um, 
But, it, you know, and I think Atlanta fits because, as you mentioned, they often the talent. And we just mentioned all the problems he had offensively with New England. Like, their defense wasn't horrible, but he can go in there and kind of fix that defense and improve it. And it feels like kind of Brady going to Tampa where there's talent there. They're playing a division that's not great right now. And you can go in there and go win. Like, if, you know, yeah, you got to get the quarterback right. They have the number eight pick. Do they get like a Penix? You know, do they go out free agency? Do they go 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 trade for a Justin Fields? You know, who knows? But I, I, yeah, I think that's a spot where I, I think Bill can go down there, succeed, and I think Arthur Blank will probably give him some power. I don't know if we'll give him total control, but I think Blank will probably give him there. control. They got, they got a GM there. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, if we'll so have total they, uh, I don't yeah. think I'll have total control there. I don't think All you right. will. I don't think yeah. I'll have total control there. And you brought up, you know, the, the Brady comparison to the Bucs. I, I don't like that comparison because the Falcons don't have a quarterback right now. The Falcons don't have a quarterback right now. When Brady went to the Bucs, they were instantly Super Bowl contenders. They were instantly Super Bowl contenders. If Belichick goes to the Falcons, they're not instantly Super Bowl contenders because they're probably going to have a rookie quarterback uh, there. So they're not – they'll be better. They have a good chance to probably win their division, but I wouldn't consider them instant Super Bowl – I would not consider, consider them Super Bowl contenders if Belichick went to the Falcons. Yeah, it depends on they do a quarterback. You know, if you bring McDaniels, like, again, he really made Mac Jones look pretty good at rookie year. You know, like, I know there's some other things there that happen, but if they, you know, you can get a field or you go sign a Kirk Cousins, he got McDaniels with that offense. I I could see that team making a run. But, look, I, I think, you know, they're getting, you know, I think he goes down there, fixes that defense. I think, you know, we'll see what happens to the rest of the NFC teams. But, um. You know, I think it's a solid roster, and yeah, you know, and I think he'll be able to knock out Shula's record in, you know, probably two years. I think he's 14 away, 15 away. So, I, you know, only, wins away. I think taking like away, years yeah. to do that. 14. So, you know, it'll only be like two years really to get that record. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens with Belichick going forward. But going from uh, Belichick to now his friend Nick Saban, who retired, and now going to the Bama program, who hired uh, Kalen DeBoer. Last week, the big question with Kalen DeBoer is: is can he keep Bama as a top program? I, I obviously won't have the success that Saban had because no one will, but I think they'll still be a top program. But with Saban gone, Georgia is the program in college football right now. Yeah, Georgia's gonna that's the top dog right now. Um, they're gonna, you know, and DeBoer, that you know, the guy's a winner. I really like DeBoer, and I think what he's gonna be able to do now that he gets some five five star kind of offensive talent now. Uh, with that offense going to be special. I worry, though, what's going to happen in three or four years? Like, if this team goes 10-2, and 9-3, and three, they're not winning a championship, are they going to be calling for his head? You know, like, that's that's where I worry. Like, I don't – I hate to say it, and I don't think that the board's going to lose. Like, I think the board's probably gone out there in three to five years. I don't think he's going to last only the five years there. And I think because they're going to be 9-3, and three, and before Nick Saban got there, the boosters had a lot of say on what's going on and Saban because he won at LSU was able to kind of tell him, let me do my job. And he shut the door for him uh, on them. Are the boosters going to do the same thing with the board? I don't know. And the other thing about Bama, well, now they're up to 25, 26 guys. I think in the portal, Caden Proctor, Caleb Downs both entered today. Um, and the NIL at Alabama, it's not great. They were getting guys to come in to play for Saban on a discount as freshmen. That's not going to happen, I don't think, with DeBoer. Like, Texas A&M, they do not have that type of money. Like, I think Bama's still a top-five job. 
but I think it's to be very difficult now with Texas entering the SEC um, to be able to like to sustain what Saban did there, which was incredible and got them after some rocky years. So it's going to be challenging for DeBoer. He's going into an absolute, you know, it's going to be tough, especially with all these guys leaving now. Um, but it's going to be a tough job, and I really like the board, but I don't think he lasts five years. I hate to say it, but I just I don't think he does. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with the board. Should be interesting to see what happens with the board mm-hmm. in Alabama. But we got the right now. We got the number. I know they won the national title, but we got the number one team in this in this in this in the nation in the state of Connecticut. But before we talk about that, we're going to hear from our friends at JPEG Financial and Shamrock Home Inspections. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEG's Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. There's no big... There's no bigger investment than home ownership. And to make sure the house is up to your standards, you need a professional to look it over. Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections is a licensed home inspector and a member of the Connecticut Association of Home Inspectors. Brian was a contractor for over 15 years, so he knows how homes should be constructed and how mechanicals should work. What makes me a good home inspector was the 20 years that I was a home improvement person all the different repairs that I have done and what other people have done wrong that I had to go out and fix. So I have a pretty quick eye on seeing what's right and what's wrong. Before you move, call Shamrock Home Inspections. Before you make the biggest investment of your life, call Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections at 860-268-2566 or visit shamrockhomeinspectionct.com. All righty, UConn. The number one ranked team in the country right now, and they got a big game tonight. Justin will be in attendance as they face the Blue Jays of Creighton. Justin will be in attendance at that game. Gamble is going to be rocking tonight. I bet it's going to be rocking. The atmosphere is going to be outstanding there tonight as uh, they take they take on Creighton. And uh, I think I, I think in this game, I think they should win this game. I, I think they definitely, definitely should win this game tonight at home. And let's be honest, Creighton, they miss Arthur Kaluma. Let me tell you, you saw last night, they miss Arthur Kaluma. I think they got three really good players. I think Shireman's a good shooter. Uh, Alexander's a good point guard, struggles to shoot threes, and they got a good big with Cal Brenner, which that could be the concern tonight is Cal Brenner having a big game because you've seen UConn defending bigs. You saw the you saw on Sunday how they had trouble with Cook of uh, Georgetown. They've had trouble defending bigs with clinging out. So that's going to be the that's going to be the scary part of tonight. But I, I do think they win this game, though, because they're at home. And they the, the difference is, is even without Klingon, they got four guys who could score. They, Kierban's been red hot. 
Uh, Spencer could obviously we know how good he is from three. Newton, one of the best point guards in the country, and and Castle's starting to play well as starting to play starting to get better. So they got four guys that can score. Carry and really only has three. I think they win this game tonight. I think they win. I'm like I'm saying like 76, 68. I think they win this game by seven eight points tonight. Wow, you're pretty confident. I I'm not as confident at the moment. Um, yeah, you know, I, I part of it is because number one, just they just keep. Like it, all these top teams this year, just you know, have ended up you know losing. Um, feels like every week, but um, yeah, you know, I mean, you mentioned Colbert. Like I know Klingon. It sounds like there's a chance he might go tonight, and yeah, because they they like Samson Johnson. Really, like they'll need the Samson Johnson of the St. John's game to come out and not get into foul trouble. Klingon's very similar to UConn. I think UConn's got a little bit more talent, but. They run very like UConn. They run very sophisticated sets, and if you take them out of those sets, they kind of struggle to find their offense. That's you know, Creighton, you know, on the on the perimeter, they're not great defensively. Like UConn is too, and when Kalkbrenner is not like, if you can pull Kalkbrenner out of the paint, like Villanova and Eric Dixon did, Caleb Boone and UNLV did, where they're both kind of more stretch fours. They struggle. Like, you know, Alabama, when he when Culpern was out, it was layup lines after layup lines. UConn's efficient defense efficiency since Klingon went out. It's like 110. Like, they haven't had that rim protector. Um, so, I, you know, both teams are very similar. Uh, UConn's got a little bit more talent, but Creighton's 6-1 and one against them. Um, and I feel like if Klingon can't go tonight, like that Caribbean small ball, like if you can pull Culpern out, defensively would be nice but the other thing is i you know he's gonna have four or five inches on on caravan which is the you know that's just not gonna be fair um and the other thing is too crane only commits 10 fouls a game we uconn leads the big east with 19 a game you know uh, so that again maybe because uconn's at home they get a friendly whistle but hurley does not uh Hurley's not a great relationship with most of the referees and does not usually get the benefit of the doubt. And in a game like <laughs> oh, this, I saw on Sunday, I saw on Sunday, all those fouls. Yeah, I saw all those that, fouls that on last Sunday, one yeah. at the end of the first half was uh, I was <laughs> that end of the first half <laughs> one was uh, yeah, that, that that was something, but uh, so that that's something too. It comes down to free throw shooting, um, you know, they just you know, I, I think you kind of should win at home. But I just were I feel better if Klingon's in there, even though if he only gives you 20 minutes. But McDermott's a phenomenal coach. Um, but I, I do think UConn does find a way at home, but I'm not confident until I hear about Klingon's status. I think having this game at Gamble helps. This is at XL. I think Creighton have a better chance of pulling up to it, but they're they're at Gamble, they're the number one team in the country. You gotta factor that in. That they're home, they're at Gamble. That place is gonna be going crazy tonight. I mean, I just I just can't pick against them at Gamble. I can't pick against them at Gamble in a game like this. If they're at Creighton, I would pick Creighton in this game. I'd pick Creighton at Creighton in this game. I think they lose at Creighton later in the season. But I I I'd, I'd pick Creighton if they were at Creighton. Even in XL, I give Creighton a chance if Clayton is out because of how how big of a factor uh, Cal Brenner is going to be. But I just think the fact they're at home and the fact that the number they just became the number one team in the country is going to make the difference. That's why I got UConn winning. Yeah, you know, and I hope so. And it, it is two dollar beer night, so you know that crowd's gonna be uh, <laughs> up too. So yep. 
They did it. Yeah, you know, oh, I bet they, those students they, are going to be going crazy. Hey, they're already camping out. They've been out there since 6 a.m., I guess. So <laughs> on a day like this yeah. where it's 20 degrees outside and up there, it's probably close to 10. So, yeah, that it's the first game, too, since they're, the students are back on campus since December. So, yeah, look, it's they got 10th longest home winning streak right now. I think it's at 13 at the moment. They did lose David last year right around this time at home at Gamble, but they got out to such a bad start, and they almost came back and won that basketball game. But, look, yeah, I think because it's at home, it's at Gamble. I, you know, I think they find a way to win this game, but, you know, not totally confident. I hope they I hope they do. But, look, they're 5-0 without clinging that lineup, and that's the big thing. Like, I thought they were going to split up Butler and Xavier, but to be 5-0 right now without them, it, 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 it's huge. And you talk about the – this castle and how good he's been, you know, offensively lately. He's starting to really figure things, figure, figure out the offense, kind of get comfortable inside, inside the offense. Absolutely. 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 So, so big game tonight, but another big game on Saturday is UConn heads to Nova, but I think UConn wins this game at the Waco, at the Wells Fargo center. I think UConn wins the game's off campus and off campus. So no one won't have as much of a home court advantage. And let's be honest. I don't think Nova's that great. They have two guys that can score. Moore and Dixon, that's it. I think Bama's been a disappointment so far. And I think uh and I think Burton's been a disappointment so far. Nova really has two guys that could score. I think UConn wins wins again. I think they win both games, both these big games this week and are 16 and 2. And because they're clearly UConn's just clearly the best team in the Big East. Yeah, they are. And you know, I'm surprised, you know, also sitting up there six and one, but they they you know they should Can win. This rich, conference. Rich, like, rich, I don't... Rich. Yeah, yeah. Richmond should be, let's be honest, Richmond should be the player of the year. He should be up there with player of the year. He's been outstanding. Oh, absolutely. He should be. You know, uh, when he he gives his all and he gives his effort, we want to be there. Yeah, he's one of the best players. Not, you know, he's one of the best players in the entire conference. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, Kadari Richmond's an unbelievable. Yeah, like Nova, I can't figure out Nova. Like, I I just, I can't. You know, like someday, like this is a team that pounded North, you know, or they beat Memphis by 30 or 16, but that game was, you know, Memphis got some garbage points. They beat North Carolina, who was actually pretty good this year. Like, that's that's a dangerous team. You know, they go on the road and they beat Creighton in overtime on the road. But, look, yeah, so I just – I can't figure out Nova. And what Marquette did Monday against them was – so Nova likes to kind of switch everything one through five. Um, and – so Marquette just threw a bunch of ball screens at them. They made, you know, and some of their kind of defenders are not great when they got on a guy like Kolick and they were able to like Marquette just got a bunch of, uh, you know, they finished, finished a bunch of layups. Like Marquette was struggling to shoot the basketball. So, you know, Dixon's going to be able to pull Klingon away from the paint. It, you know, Klingon does play in this game. It, that could be something where Nova could get to the basket, but yeah, like Moore's coming off a knee sprain, you know, um, Monday was the second game. Now we'll have five days off. We'll see how healthy is. Uh, um, they're missing another guy, Jordan um, Luongo, who he's got an ankle sprain. I don't know who'll play, but yeah, like they just want Mark Armstrong is supposed to be the point guard. He's more of a two. Like he he's starting to come on scoring wise, but he's a two. He's not a one. So I'd hope because Nova struggled against the zone because they just don't have that point guard. The ball movement's not great at times. So I'd love to see Hurley throw out a zone against them, but. You know, we'll see. He likes to play that man-to-man, and, you know, so I don't know if that will happen, but I think Saturday night Nova gets them. I just – it's on the road, tough environment. If you can lose tonight, I think they get Saturday, but they won tonight. I do think Nova gets them. 
Um, I just, cause I just, I can't figure out Nova. Like I assume Saturday, you're going to get a good Nova effort, but I, 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 I can't figure out the team. Like they spent 3 million NIL. Like it's a much different, it's a unique team. It's not like a Nova, the usual Nova team. So I just, I, I don't know. I can't figure them out. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, I think they win both. I just think they're clearly the best team in the big East right now. I just think UConn right now is clearly the best team in the big East and arguably the best team in the country. So I just think they're just playing that well with Klingon in there. There's no weaknesses. Top point guard in Newton, good big man, Klingon, Klingon, two really good wings in uh, Spencer and, uh, and uh, Caravan. Caravan. And you can argue the guy with the biggest upside. What did you say? Yes. Castle, Klingon, yeah, like the two other, yeah, like the biggest, yeah, yeah, those yeah. are your two best yeah, and, and, pro and prospects you argue, right there. Yeah, exactly, You can, and you could argue the best pro prospect is their worst starter, so if that's your problem, that's a really good problem to have, so you, things are looking really, really good for the Huskies right now, but that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R&J. For Justin D'Onofrio, I'm Steve Risser. We will be back next week talking about conference championship weekend in the NFL and the coaching carousel in the NFL. Have a great weekend, everyone. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley. And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him. He taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball. Hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the poles, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball. Because the Yankees are not, they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. My name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meat, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, the Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.